This raises one of the big questions, which is what's going on when we actually go as far as to say that we've taken up an identity? What sort of processes are involved? There have been these changes in work, in politics, in movement, movement in different ways. But how do these things influence our identities? And do they contribute to them? And what sort of things are happening? So perhaps if we could look now at how we might address this question about how identities are formed in relation to the kind of changes that are taking place. Karim? I think I'd approach the question of how our identities are formed much more from a kind of a structural perspective. In other words, while I think there are things people can do to change their own identities, I'm more interested in the ways in which people's identities are shaped or given to them. And we shouldn't ignore quite important but basic things like legal categories of identity. For example, your citizenship, your ability to belong to a nation state is quite an important marker of your identity because, for example, possession of a British or a European passport has a cachet and a value that other passports will not carry, for example, in terms of your ability to travel around the world. So there are, I think, I think fairly basic things like that which sometimes go unmarked but are actually fairly important. So the law is, in this sense, a structure too, yes. as well as the state. But I think talking about the state leads us on to other ways in which um, our identities are shaped or moulded for us. For example, the state or the government uses various kinds of categories of identity. The census is, a, is an obvious example. And although those categories change and those categories are sometimes decided in consultation with people, nevertheless, they're not, in a sense, very natural identities. They're not identities that we might feel ourselves to have naturally in terms of how we might describe ourselves. Nevertheless, the extent to which people start describing themselves in terms of census categories shows the ways in which those things are interpolating us. In other words, we've come to identify with those identifications. I could add to that. Uh, I think I said right at the beginning, I'm white English. Of course, I grew up not thinking that I was white. I grew up in a part of rural northern England where I didn't meet a black person for years, I'm sure. And the fact that I was white was completely irrelevant until I started mixing with black people, until I remember being on a bus in East Africa where I was, I was the only white person at that point. I was extremely self-conscious of the fact that I was white. By that time, I was in my 20s. So... These categories are given in language, but they don't necessarily map on to the way we've learned to experience ourselves as we've grown up. So the categories are imposed upon us through the kind of structures, social structures in which we operate. They are imposed in some ways, but the fact that we come to inhabit them sometimes, we come to live those identities and see them as part of our lived experience, suggests that they're not simply imposed, we must take them on board. And sometimes in taking on board those identities, we might refashion them. We might actually change the meaning of them. So structures can themselves to some extent be changed to some extent by agency. This illustrates the ways in which our identities are formed in relation to how we perceive ourselves and also how others see us. In the case of the kind of clothes we wear or how others hear us in the example of the, the ways in which we speak, the relationship between how we see ourselves and how others see us is very important in the kind of processes that are involved in looking at how identities are formed and the ways in which we have some investment in an identity at a particular time. 
Karim, you started your response with an emphasis on some of the structures which create the possibility of certain identities rather than others. Another dimension of the formation of identity might give more emphasis to the personal element in the equation between the personal and the social. What would you say, Wendy, that the sort of examples of ways in which identities are formed, which might give more emphasis to the the ways in which we engage with a particular identity? Yes, I think the way other people see us is hugely important. This starts long before we are language-speaking young people who are beginning to organise and understand the world around us. The way we are treated by other people, it becomes embedded in our experience. And a lot, because one of the definitions of being human is that we are self-conscious individuals, we actually learn a lot about who we are from the way people treat us. As George Herbert Mead pointed out, we have an I, which is the experiencing part of us, and the me, which is the response to the way we are experienced. And that means that we are very, very influenced by the people around us who, as it were, hold up a mirror to us through which we see ourselves. It's the way that they actually hold up that mirror, but it's also how we imagine they are responding to us. And both of those things intermingle to create over time a sense of our identities. That's one emphasis, and that emphasis is on our social relations with others. But psychologists also emphasize uh, how we develop through particularly childhood and how we acquire the basic kind of building blocks of ourselves from the moment we're born. And a lot of this happens without our conscious awareness of it. It's often joked that however hard we try not to be like our parents, uh, we'll end up being more like them than we think. And that's because it happens at a level which is below conscious awareness. And so through identifications, we actually acquire many of the building blocks which create us. I think what I find interesting in what Wendy's saying is that there are certain identities we may think we have which we can take for granted, the most obvious ones being things around gender, perhaps ethnicity, perhaps whether we're able-bodied or disabled or not. So, for example, we've both said that we only recognised ourselves as being white or British when we were somewhere else, where actually it was brought home to us. I think there's another point which might be helpful, which is that Goffman, for example, is often criticised for sometimes suggesting that there are only a certain number of roles or, or, or ways in which we can perform these roles and so on. But in fact, it may well be that through social practices, through, for example, th- practices of consumption, various kinds of identities or roles are created for us all the time. For example, through, you know, whether we kind of buy our clothes at store type X or Y, whether we drive a particular kind of car, where we live in the country, how we speak, what kinds of schools people send their children to and so on. All these things are ways in which people can fashion their identity in the social world. But sometimes these options or these choices are offered to us through things like advertising, the media and so on. From the Open University. For more information, go to www.open.ac.uk forward slash use.